In the following live session recording, Linda Clark, adult field strategist with National Woman's Missionary Union, will talk about how to awaken the leader in you. This session will focus on the soft side of leadership, the character traits we look for in successful leaders. The listener will hear how attitude, humor, communication, variety, and convictions all play into becoming an effective woman and leader. Let's join Linda now. Well, it's good to be here. <laughs> if I'd been in the airport very much longer, I'd have had to gather a group of women and teach them, you know, because <laughs> I didn't want any of this to go to waste, you know, how that, how that is. Uh, so we're here to learn about how you can awaken the leader within you. And I don't want anybody leaving here saying, well, you know, that just didn't apply to me. Because yes, it does. So I know you've been dying to look and, and fill out this little sheet that says wake up. So we're talking about waking up. And so I want you to go through there. And if you can, you know, say, hey, I do that, or that applies to me, you give yourself the number of points. And I want to see who has the most points. All has to do with about waking up. So just do that real quickly. Okay, does anybody have more than 25? Okay, anybody have more than 45? Hmm, okay, anyone have more than uh, 60? Okay, how many do you have? 65. 65? 75. 75. 70, so 75. Okay, so we've got 70 and 75. And I thought very appropriate that would give them a watch. <laughs> so that you can wake up. You might choose to put that in your Bible. You can, you know, a, a good wake up is what? With the Lord? Yeah, maybe. If you, I mean, assuming you have both eyes open. I mean, if you don't, then you can pray. So, so it'll work. It'll work. Um, you know, a lot of times when we think about leadership skills, leadership skills and leadership characteristics or traits are actually two different things. Uh, leadership skills are things that you can learn, that you can develop, such as communication. Can we learn to be better communicators? Yes. Uh, can we learn to do something like delegate? Yes. Uh, can we learn to uh, uh, resolve or manage conflict? Yes. Can you read a book and learn how to manage your time? Yes. Those are learned skills, right? Well, and that's good because we all need to do that. Uh, however, a side of leadership that some have called the soft side of leadership sometimes gets neglected. And these are different characteristics or traits uh, that we as Christian women leaders need to exhibit in our lives uh, that are different from those, from those skills uh, that, we can, that we can learn, read about, and, and develop. Uh, when I was writing the book, Awaken the Leader in You, I decided that I, I'm a person, I like handles. You know, I like, I, like, I like that type of thing. And so I chose 10 items to represent 10 different characteristics. And that's what that second handout sheet, you'll see them listed and you'll see pictures, but it's, they're not in order. So as we go through, you can do a little matching if you so choose. If you don't want to mark up your paper, I understand, because it will copy when you go home. I got that. I, I know. I've done that. Uh, the first thing that, that I, I that, well, it's chapter one okay, in the book, are potatoes. And you might say, hmm, potatoes, what's that got to do? My father was a, the son of a tenant farmer in Texas. 
uh, and he loved, I think it was because of that, those early farming years, he loved to garden, loved to garden. And so he grew a lot of vegetables. He planted fruit trees wherever we lived. Uh, he was a pastor for almost 62 years. And, uh, you know, he always wanted a comfortable home for us, but he was more interested in the backyard. Would it support a garden? Did it have enough sunlight? You know, all of those things. Uh, and so he'd fuss around with his garden every year until probably the last four or five years of his life. Uh, when it came to eating vegetables, eating fruit, uh, my mother was the one, he'd harvest them and she put them up or fixed them or cooked them or whatever needed to happen. And my father was not what I call a picky eater, but he was a meat and potatoes man. You've heard that term. Uh, he was, I th and I think there again, that's probably his, his upbringing. Uh, but he, he didn't want the, I don't think we ever had tacos. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe he bought them, you know, at a fast food place. But my mother never fed a salad for lunch. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and so, so it, was, it was meat and potatoes. And when I began to think about what I could, what I would choose to represent our salvation experience. And I, when I worked with editors, you know, sometimes editors have their idea and you have your idea. And I said, you can do what basically you want with the book as far as the order goes, but chapter one and chapter two cannot be changed. Chapter one represents our salvation experience. Is that not the meat and potatoes? It's the basic for us uh, who say we want to lead, particularly in the Christian arena or in your workplace or in your neighborhood, within your family, then you need that experience and that relationship, that personal relationship with Jesus before you're going to be an effective leader. I mean, that's my opinion, okay? Uh, and, and I have to think it's right. I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I thought I was going to lose this this morning because I, the, the, the second thing uh, is a little box of nails, and I got to thinking, if I check my suitcase, are they going to confiscate those? You know, who knows? I mean, I guess you could stab somebody with one of them. Uh, but, but I chose nails to represent our convictions. Do you want to follow, are you interested in following a leader who doesn't have any convictions? I don't know about you, I'm not. Someone who's wishy-washy, who changes their, quote, beliefs all the time, you know. Uh, the sun comes up and they say one thing and the sun goes down and they're saying something else. I want someone to be consistent and I want them to have a core value system. And that's where our convictions come in. Is that always easy? Of course not. Uh, you get into the workplace and you have a very difficult boss. Uh, there are situations at work perhaps, perhaps that are borderline unethical. Maybe they're borderline legal. Get yourself out as soon as you can. That would be my advice, unless you think you can change it. Uh, so, so we have to have convictions, okay? Uh, we have to have that, that it's, it's enough of a part of our lives that when people look at us, they're going to say, you know, she stands up for what she believes. She said this not very long ago at work, and I've watched her. And if you think people aren't watching you in your leadership role, wherever it is, think again. You get, you get upset and you, you, know, you lean into the wastebasket behind your desk and you mutter, someone's going to hear it. Okay, take it to the bank. They're going to know. So we've got to, be, we've got to be consistent and we have to have a system of core values that says who we are and what we, and what we believe, okay? And so I think those two things uh, are, are just kind of, well, you could say they're no-brainers, okay? Um, something else in our life that we sometimes don't think of, particularly as women. I had a balloon. I couldn't get it in the, it was one of those helium things. Couldn't get it in the suitcase. So this represents celebration or highs. Who, who makes your highs sometimes? You do. 
sometimes, sometimes, you know, you get busy being a wife and a mother and you're, you're homeschooling or you're working outside the home and you're involved in your community and things go by and we forget to celebrate. Uh, and so sometimes you have to create your own highs. Uh, when we were living in Denver years ago, my three children, finally I got the youngest, uh, uh, Jana, in kindergarten. And so I, I was going to celebrate, you know. I mean, I love my kids, but I also thought this is going to be kind of cool having a half a day to myself. Uh, and so I went to the library once a week. Now, I have a background in library work, but I wanted to go just because I wanted to go. I wasn't looking for a book on dinosaurs. I wasn't looking for, you know, a science project or something like that. I just wanted to go and sit. And I would read the newspaper, and I would read magazines. It was my way, didn't cost me anything, of celebrating. And so we have to remember that as leaders, we need to celebrate. And sometimes that buck will stop with us. And if we're just so pell-mell from one project to the next that we don't stop and recognize people for good work, uh, let them know we appreciate them, and then celebrate those good results, whether you had good results or not. You still, maybe you're just going to celebrate that it's over. Okay, but still, it's, it's, a, it's a part of our life, and as a leader, you need to be thinking about providing some of those celebratory uh, types of things. Um, can of air. Who would ever think we would buy canned air, pressurized air? Never, never in a million years. Uh, this is to represent pressure. Uh, anybody here not have it? Yeah? No? Nobody's raising their hand. We all have pressure. Now, is all pressure bad? No, not necessarily. What about if April 15th never rolled around? We'd never get our taxes done. So some deadlines and some pressure things are good, aren't they? They, they, they keep us focused. Uh, they make sure that we meet the deadlines and that we perform to the best of our ability, whatever the, whatever the task may be. Uh, so pressure is, is not a bad thing. Does a leader feel pressure? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes it can be the pressure of not having enough money to do what you want to do. Sometimes it can be the pressure of not having enough workers to do what you, what you plan and what you want to do. Uh, she, uh, Beth had, had a little bit of pressure today, thinking that one of her presenters was not going to get here. Uh, so, so I mean, and I had a lot of pressure in Louisville. Uh, that waiting room would never be the same. Uh, I paced a, no, not really, but I was aggravated, I'll put it that way. And so we have pressure in life, don't we? And so as a leader, you cannot become so pressured and so fractured that it keeps you from leading effectively. That's my point. So whatever you have to do to step back and calm yourself down and slow down your heart rate so that you can still perform and do what you have been asked to do or what you've been assigned to do uh, as a leader. So pressure, it's going to be there, okay? But learn to deal with it. And there are plenty of books on stress. Okay, plenty of books on relieving your stress or, or pressure. Uh, it'll help you perform better uh, as a leader. Uh, I have a packet of seeds. Seeds represent new beginnings. Uh, I don't know about you, but new beginnings are fun, aren't they? Now, sometimes new beginnings come our way and we don't want them. Okay, uh, I met a young woman at a uh, women's retreat couple of years ago and I don't the name of the retreat was uh, Yahweh sisterhood it was a it was a fun women's retreat there about over a hundred women there and uh, at the end of one of the sessions she came to me and I she told me how old she was I'm thinking she's 
23, 24, something like that. And uh, uh, she had been married, and her husband was in construction, and he was killed on the job. And it had been like two, two and a half years. And her question was, you know, I know I need to start over, I need to move on, but how long do I grieve? And I said, you grieve as long as you have to grieve, you know. But she was facing new beginnings. Not because she was older and had lost her spouse. She was young. New beginnings can happen at any time in life. That's my point. Uh, any phase uh, of life, uh, you may be 59 and going to college for the first time. That's a new beginning. Uh, you have an empty nest, and so now you're going to go out and get your very first full-time job doing what you've always wanted to do. Maybe you, you, you want to become a florist. New beginning. Uh, maybe anybody going to have a new grandbaby? Soon? Soon? Yeah, maybe soon. New beginnings, right? Uh, we have a lot of new beginnings, and as leaders, we kind of have to look for those, not only in ourselves, but we have to look for them as they are happening to the women that we lead, or whoever it is. Maybe you're a leader in the workplace. Uh, new beginnings can change our attitude, can't they? Uh, sometimes it can make a woman bitter. Sometimes it can make us very discontented because we don't want that new beginning. Uh, I've moved a lot in my married life. Now, I, I, I have, it's a good thing. I've looked on that as an adventure, okay? Uh, but I've, I have met women, that, that is not an adventure in their book. And so they spend a lot of time trying to adjust. Of course, some moves are better than others, right? Some are easier than others. We, we know that. Uh, try leaving San Diego and moving to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Anybody know anything about Cheyenne? Culture shock. And we did that. And, and that was not one of my favorite moves. Now, that was not a good move in my book. I learned some really interesting things from God. He taught me some lessons there because I was at a low and what? I was listening. But it was a new beginning. So that's, a, that's another. Like it wasn't good news then, right? So it really was. Yes, yes, it really was. Although when we left Cheyenne and we moved to Denver, I stood up onto the sign that says, you are now leaving Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my mother take a picture. I have that in the family album. I can hardly wait to get out of there. Uh, but, but yes, we did, we did, we did, we, all of us did. We learned, we learned some valuable lessons there. So new, new beginnings, new beginnings. Some more positive, some happier than others. Uh, but as women and as leaders, we need to try and adjust how we can, and then we'll, we'll talk about attitude in a minute. Um, I'm going to save that one. That's a good story. These are melted, but you get those chocolate coins. <laughs> I can't even eat them tonight uh, because they, they do smell good, though. But uh, I, chose, I chose chocolate because, uh, to me, that represents variety. So I don't know how that's listed on your sheet. Maybe it says variety. Does it say variety? Um, two eyes. With two eyes. That's my husband. I didn't do that. That's my husband. Uh, think of all the kinds of chocolate that Hershey's makes. You know, they started out with just plain Hershey's, you know. Uh, then Mr. Goodbar came along about 1906, 1909, something like that, added peanuts. Then we have the, the kissies. And think of all the kinds of kissies we've got now. You know, they even have dark chocolate kisses. All chocolate, but what a variety. Okay, that speaks to me because I love variety in my life. And I don't know about you, and I think a leader needs to have variety in her life. And as she has variety in her life, I think she can instill that in a group that she leads or she's a, 
in charge of a task force or whatever that may be. Um, variety is kind of, it is the spice of life. The humdrum thing, is anybody here, I hesitate to ask this because I've gotten caught a couple of times. Is anybody here wearing exactly the same hairstyle that they had like 20 years ago? No, okay, good, good. Uh, and if it was the same, I bet your hair color's not the same. Okay. <laughs> okay? We like change, don't we? Sure we do. Sure we do. Okay, I am wearing the same hairstyle I was 20 years ago. I know the hair color has not changed, but the reason is different. Oh, the reason is different. My hair has gone back to the way it was when we got married because I don't like my husband's beard, and the only way he would shave it off is if I grew my hair like I was. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'd make a good Facebook story, wouldn't you? <laughs> But basically, basically, we like change, don't we? Yes. You know, uh, we like we like variety uh, as well as change. And so that's something as leaders that I think we need to pay attention to. Uh, we're going to talk about it tomorrow more in the Women Alive, talking about having variety as we as we work with women, as we plan events and and get-togethers, that that type of thing. Uh, my mother was fond of saying the best method is the worst one if you use it all the time. Mm -hmm. oh, hey, that's pretty good, Mom. Uh, because that's true. We don't want anything that we do, whether it's in your workplace. Maybe you're a little more restricted in your workplace. I don't want the same thing every time I come somewhere. It's boring. It's just boring to me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I approach the music on Sunday morning in our that our that our worship team does. I don't want to sing the same songs <laughs> all the time. I like a variety. I don't want them to all be slow songs. I want the you know I don't want them to all not have a drum. I like the drum. So we like variety. So let's make sure that as leaders we we develop that intentionally uh, as we lead. Um, I have a packet of honey. I put that in a, in a can because that's very dangerous to travel with. I found that hard out the hard way. Honey represents attitude. And you know why I chose honey, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you remember the quote. I don't even have to say it. Um, attitude of a leader can make or break the group. It can make or break uh, or determine whether you're successful as a missions group, as a ministry group, whatever it is, at work. Uh, as, a, as a teacher, if, you're a, if you homeschool, something along that line, um, just, it's just critical. Uh, it's interesting how one person with a negative attitude can infect everybody else. Have you ever noticed that? Mm -hmm. I had a gal in, in uh, California who served on our state team. Sharp gal. Sharp. She would give you the, the blouse off her back. She was vested uh, in, in ministry, creative in ministry. She was negative. And pretty soon, I noticed when we'd have our meetings, everybody, I think, what is this? And then I'd see, and there she'd be, right in the middle of that. Uh, and so I made some changes. Uh, I didn't ask her to leave the group, I just gave her another job assignment. And it worked. It was perfect. So we as leaders need to be attuned to that. Not only your attitude, but others' attitude. So if you know that Harriet, no one's in here named Harriet. <laughs> you know that Harriet has got a nasty attitude and is so negative about what you've tried to do that hasn't been done for the last 25 years. Then be careful where you put her. Be careful what you ask her to do. Just, you know, think these things out. Be strategic uh, in, how, in how you lead, taking into consideration. And then don't, don't let yourself get so frustrated and burned out and, and burdened down with what hasn't worked and what someone said and the nasty email you got and all of those things. Don't let it impact your leadership. 
because it'll come back on you. Uh, and I don't think it pleases the Lord. You're going to get a chance to look at leaders in a minute. I mean, attitude in a minute. I put this in here, even though this, I call this a skill. Communication is something that we need in not just as a skill, like in leading a group and letting someone know and developing publicity. I, I don't mean it, mean it from that angle, but just as a leader, just as a person, okay? If you have very poor communication skills, get yourself a book, okay? Uh, and learn how to uh, write effectively. I'm not saying you have to become an author. I'm just saying say what you say and I mean what you mean and, and be careful what you say. Uh, I had a, a boss one time who would come in sometimes to a staff week and he would say, oh, I just got the most awful email. It just raked him over the coals and he said, and I sat right down and I wrote him back. And I, we we're all thinking, <laughs> and he says, and I... And we're thinking, oh, surely he didn't send it. He says, no, I deleted it. You know, we were always worried he was going to hit send instead of delete. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we just have to be careful in our communication. I'm very intentional. Um, make sure that, that you're clear. I had a secretary one time who, uh, uh, it was her birthday. I guess I'd wished her happy birthday or something. And she says, oh, I was hoping Ken would give me a pearl drop necklace. And I said, He's not giving you one for your birthday? She says, no. And I said, well, did you tell him that you wanted one? And she says, no. And I said, well, then how is he going to know that? No, she hadn't even communicated. That's my point. You know, that's a silly, but it wasn't silly to her because she really wanted that necklace. And I said, then you need to tell him that. Put it on your Christmas list or your birthday list or your anniversary list or something so that we just, we forget some of the niceties of communication and I think social media has, has done us a disservice in this area. We just, you know, before, and I was text, I think I texted that before because it's so easy to put B in a number four instead of typing it all out, you know, and auto, auto correct sends things you don't ever want to send. Uh, we all know about that. Uh, and so we just have to watch, I think in this day and age even more than we have in the past. Uh, and make sure that we uh, uh, that we communicate with our family. How important is that? Communicate with our spouses. You know, uh, my husband is is almost totally deaf. Well, there's a challenge. Uh, you know, sweet nothings at nighttime to remind him to take out the trash the next morning. Not working. Not working. Uh, unless the lights on. So you it, communication has been very difficult. It has taken a total change in our family because then he had to learn to re-communicate with our children. And when, when they would go into the kitchen and start talking, he wasn't hearing The same thing for me, I'd go in the wrong, 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 and then I'd mutter because he, you know, he didn't do what I had asked him to do, well, he didn't hear me. And sometimes even those things get in the way uh, of us uh, being, and that part of that's a skill, I know that, but part of it is just needs to be part of an element of our of our personality, if you want, if you want to put it that way. Um, then I have one more. No, I have two more. Nuts. Okay, this can's empty, uh, and I'll just throw it away later. But uh, nuts uh, stand for humor. If you do not have a sense of humor as a leader, you are missing the boat. Uh, because there are too many things that can go wrong, and the only way you can react is to laugh. Uh, you may be very nervous about something, and humor can help deflect that. It may be a very, a very tense situation at work or in your neighborhood. If you can make someone laugh or at least smile, 
you've gone a long way to help to build a bridge or to keep a to keep a relationship still active. Uh, I just I just think that uh, uh, humor has a has a, a real place. I'm very witty when I go to the dentist because I'm very nervous, and I've had some horrible experiences at the dentist, and so I'm I just they think I'm so funny because I'm nervous but it helps deflect it and it helps me feel, you know, relieve the pressure some. And so uh, develop a good sense of humor. If you don't have a little repertoire of uh, jokes, well, find some. I mean, you know, Reader's Digest is good. Watch some of the TV commercials. They're hilarious and they, they make good stories. Uh, think about what has happened in your family or what a grandchild has said that has been very funny and however you interject that into daily life life is serious enough as it is and if we as leaders don't have at least a decent sense of humor where we can laugh at ourselves and help others that that we lead help them laugh also and I just think that uh, helps in a lot of different situations and then the last one this will not mean anything to you until I tell you the story. This is a little jar full of pinto beans. Now, it should have a little bit of rice in here because this story is rice and beans, about rice and beans. A number of years ago, we had our annual women's meeting in California, and we always like to have a ministry project connected to it somehow. They would bring stuff, and we'd put together blessing bags or hygiene kits for, the, for migrants or whatever it was. Well, this particular year, uh, our meeting was in November. And so it was getting, you know, cooler, even for California, it was getting a little cooler. And uh, we were not very far from, uh, from the border into Mexico, into Tijuana. And so we knew that during the winter months, things were really tough over there. Uh, about 40,000 people live in the Tijuana dump. I mean, it is a dump. That's as far as they could get, uh, as close as they could get to the United States. Uh, and so we knew that and we had some missionaries and some pastors down there who really tried to minister to some of their needs and so when we had talked to them and said what what can we do what can we as women do because I knew the majority of the women that were there they were there from all of the state that they wouldn't be able to go across you know and and do any ministry so they said if you can make up one pound packages of rice and one pound packages of pinto beans we can distribute those when we know that a family needs help Give them several bags. So we said, we can do that. So we bought it all in bulk. And the gal that was negative, she was in charge of the project. <laughs> and I've never seen so much rice and beans in my life. And so we got the thing, the, the luggage carts from the hotel. And the ladies, we got an assembly line going up. And we had uh, the scoops, you know. And so we began to fill those beans. And they'd fill them and pass them down. And, some, you know, and so we had them all. And then we thought, now we're going to do well. I had contacted a couple of gentlemen that, I, that had pickup trucks, uh, covered pickup trucks. And so they, they agreed to come in and then load those and take them across the border, which was yeah, about an hour and a half away, not very far. Well, I looked up after doing that for a while, and there were some men there. Well, that didn't happen. We didn't have very many men come to our Women's Missionary Union uh, meeting. And so I knew both of them. Both of them were pastors. And so I went over and I said, Luis, I said, uh, are you guys here? Did you? Well, we heard about the. Well, he didn't call project. He said we heard you had rice and beans. They came to eat. 
they didn't know about the ministry project. And so what did we do? Of course, we put them to work. They were the ones that loaded the trucks uh, for us. But, but I, I can't think of pinto beans and rice without thinking about those two brethren because, because they were a little hungry. It was around noon. <laughs> and so they thought, hey, the women are having rice and beans. And so we put, we put them to work. Um, all of these things, the soft side of leadership, will help us become more effective. Uh, as, as leaders, and I think that's very important. So in light of that, we have a good group here today, and so I'm going to make four assignments, and we're going to, you're going to, as a group, uh, either talk about new beginnings, or um, service, rice and beans, or attitude, or humor. So this group here, you all can be one group, okay? And we'll give you about 10 or 12 minutes. You'll need to get your chairs together and work on the instructions are in the are in the the uh, the sack. And let's see. Hmm. Let's see. You uh, you two and you two. How about that? That'll work. Four of you do that. And then these you down here do this one. And then it's just gonna be Oh, this will be all right. Uh, some of you may, you know, your, the back row here, you could maybe come over and meet with this group. Or you could meet with that group back there. That would be better, meet with them. Do you mind doing that? Okay. So you've, got about, you've got about 10 minutes, so say at 4, four o'clock. That's, that's 8 o'clock. That's what the clock says, 8 o'clock. And there's an instruction sheet in each sack. And then all the rest of the instructions are there. Almost done. Are we ready? Stay in your groups and let's just hear what you what you came up with, okay? Um, let's see. This group over here had new beginnings. Let's see what they discovered. Tell us what you, you don't have to read the Bible verses. You all had applicable Bible verses. But then tell us what the rest of your assignment was. Somebody. <laughs> um, well, we each of us shared um, a new beginning in our lives in the last five years. Okay. So we had different things that we shared. And then our case study was about two sisters who had lost their parents and their choices of new beginnings and what so we kind of discussed the different ways. One was married, but never finished her college degree, so possibly starting that would be something new to focus on. The other one is single, but dating a, um, a doctor who was going overseas. So her new beginning may be to go where he is, or it may be to do something different, you know, depending on how much money they inherited. <laughs> I had a, a, a woman that I had just met at Starbucks. I'm a Starbucks frequenter. And she came to me one day, it's been about uh, two and a half years ago, and she said, uh, uh, and I knew her by name, she's a Christian romance writer, and she's published, and so I, you know, she kind of was, you know, up here, I was interested in, in talking to her a lot, and she said, would you pray with me? And I said, well, sure, Leslie. And so we sat down in one of the booths, and she reached across the table and took my hands. Now I, I knew about uh, that. I, I, I believe she's a I believe she's a believer. She's a very active member of, of the Catholic Church. Uh, but she said too many things. 
that don't necessarily jive with a lot of that. And she had inherited money. That's what made me think this. Uh, her mother had passed away. And she was in, in a quandary as to how she should spend this money. And she, just, she said, I just need you to pray with me. She says, I, I feel like maybe God wants me to get my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And so she finished uh, a year ago last December. Wow. And so I got to walk that journey with her. And I didn't edit her papers, but I got to read them. And that was a privilege. That was a privilege. She's a great writer. And so it was a new beginning for her. That, I hadn't even thought about that until you, you, you mentioned that. So uh, we all have opportunities for new beginnings, don't we? And sometimes as a leader, you may be in the position to help someone else with their new beginning whether it's positive or whether it's a, maybe a result of, you know, a death or a tragedy or something along that line. So uh, that's, a, that's a trait that, that we need in us. Uh, what does this group back have here? Were you humor? Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't hear a lot of laughter coming out of that <laughs> So I don't know whether that was a successful group or not, but <laughs> tell, tell us what you, what you did. So we talk about um, ways that leaders can use humor. We talk about like diffusion, to like diffuse um, tough situations, just to take a, a break in our day. Um, we talk about maybe ways we inappropriately use humor. You know, not to be mean, but we need to be aware of our audience. Uh-huh. What else, good. ladies? Lessons. Yeah, we can use them in our lessons. Tell some good, good dad jokes. Did we have anything funny happen to any of you? I wanted to hear some. Well, stories. When I I had a free working parent day camp, and it was going to end. It was for June, and the guy said, "Well, why can't we do it for July?" And I said, "This is a middle schooler," and I said, "Because I'm going on a mission trip." And he asked me, "Well, who are you going to kill?" (laughs) (laughs) I said, "Um, "What?" He said, "Who are you going to kill?" And I said, "I'm not going to kill him, but I'm on a mission trip." He said, "I know, but think about video games." Mission. mission is what? Yeah. Kill somebody. Yeah. Mission impossible, whatever. I didn't laugh out of that. I said, no, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And he used that opportunity to explain missionaries. But it was really funny when you tell it to other people because, yeah. and, and it also was a lesson to be taught that I've shared with other people. Make sure you use the language that the people you're talking to are witnessing do not understand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I was asked to speak to a large group of uh, Arabic-speaking women from all over the United States uh, in Southern California, almost late. Just got lost, that was the problem. But anyway, it was almost late. And uh, the, the consultant, our Arabic consultant, had heard me give a presentation where I had a whole series of humorous stories. And she said, I want you to be sure that you use that in your presentation. And I had always been told, you don't do that when you're speaking with another language group. Uh, because a lot of these women, I mean, I had to have an interpreter, so I'm thinking, how are these, this is, this is not going to work. And so I chose two of them that I thought would, you know, be appropriate, that they could, could understand with limited English. And uh, they were not happy. Uh, because their leader had told them that I had a whole bunch of funny stories to tell. And so after the whole event was over, uh, my mother had gone with me, and we were standing, and they just came and circled around us. And they just said, now tell the rest of the jokes. <laughs> so I did. So, so we, we do hear some good stories, don't we? Okay, this group had, had ministry or service. So tell us what you, what you talked about. Um, so we talked about the different characteristics, no, servant qualities um, that a leader should have. And then we had these objects, and we had to figure out ways to make unique 
ministries out of them. So like, for instance, we have we instead of baking cupcakes for someone, why don't mentor children? Like, we don't do home ec anymore, so teach them how to do that and make that a mentoring program. Or with this, like, hygiene for the homeless, like, things that you don't think about, you give them food, but what about stuff like that? Very good. Good crib. Because, see, I, I gave them, I, I, I didn't want lap robes coming up. You know, I wanted something something different you guys delivered. That's great. That's good. And we also looked at it on the other side of, of these items being how we measure up in oh. our ministry mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. yes. Very and good. They went a little we deeper. Did. Good. That's great. That's great. Okay, and then y'all had an attitude. Tell us about attitude. <laughs> well, um, we, we just talked a lot about um, constantly being aware that our attitude does go before us. Um, it can be one thing in, that on our card was it can be your best friend or your worst enemy. You can have a positive attitude. Um, it's not just automatic that you have a positive attitude. You have to make an effort um, to, to be that way. But your attitude is more honest and consistent than your words. Um, we talked a lot about body language, how, you know, your, your body... And your whatever um, the first perception that people have of you often is from your body language rather than from you speaking. So, um, but we kept going back to body language over and over. Um, outward look based on past experiences. Um, we talked about forgive and forget in a couple of different areas. It, your attitude um, can be a librarian of your past. It's it's easy to forgive somebody. It's easier to forgive somebody than it is to forget and let go of that experience. So you do kind of catalog that and keep it keep it always. Um, your attitude is never content until it is expressed, and and your attitude will be a speaker of your present. It will determine your words, and if you do read what you say. And I think we we used a few little um, phrases that everybody knows. Draw more flies with honey than you do. Mm -hmm. John Maxwell was, I, I had given them a, a, a piece that he wrote on attitude. He has a, a book on, on leadership and attitude. And he has, a, I think it's just called Attitude, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's, and so if you, if you have a chance, you can find it online. It, it'd be worth your time. Uh, and because because it's very it's probably the most concise the best expression of what an attitude is and 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 how it will affect uh, every area it's of our what is an attitude what is an attitude okay all right yeah there was something else there uh, so we have two sides of leadership then don't we you stuck out this long this is pretty I commend you for that um, we we have the skills that we can learn. Um, and there are all kinds of books. I mean, there's just a wealth of books uh, that, that you can read. Uh, some more in detail than others, some easier to read than others, uh, some more palatable than others, uh, but the material is there. Uh, and so we can, we can learn the leadership skills that we, that we need to have. Uh, however, like I said in the very beginning, we do neglect this softer side sometimes. We get embroiled in, in sending out the publicity for I don't know, the missions event we're going to have, or notifying everybody in our group of the deadline that's coming up for their reports, or whatever it is. And, and we forget to be gentle. Uh, we set aside maybe using humor. Uh, maybe our attitude's a little snarky that day. 
uh, and and so we don't we don't embody we don't work on we're not intentional about being the kind of female Christian leaders that we need that we need to be in, to to honor God. Um, woe be to the female leader who missteps like that, because I tell you, people have a very long memory, have a very long memory, and so we need to we need to hold Christ's banner high. Uh, and be sure that we honor his name and that, that he's glorified in, in what we do, uh, how we behave, how we approach things. Uh, not, a, not everything's all sweetness and light. We know that. Life's not all sweetness and life. But in, the, in a leader's life, we have to achieve enough of a balance that, that we know what to do when some of these things come hurling out of outer space uh, at us so that we're still effective. So that our reputation is intact, uh, so that we so that we have um, integrity, and so that when we step out of a leadership role, uh, whether we move or whether we're not elected again or whether we get promoted and we move on, whatever the reason, we we leave we leave people with a good feeling. And I'm not talking about you know stroking you and making you feel real good. I'm not talking about that kind of a feeling, but that we've done our very best, that we've excelled. Uh, that we've that we leave a legacy, and I think that's real important. Uh, I finished reading a, a fiction book, of one author that I like, uh, and the the whole story. She's very good on character development, and the whole story revolved about a um, a woman whose husband she was going through a divorce, and she got this older home. Well, her mother gave it to her, and it had been given to her by her mother, and it had been given to her by her mother. So it was like five generations, and then she had a 14-year-old daughter who was just a creep right then. And uh, so she began to research the history of these women, her relatives, who had owned this. And all, it, it all boiled down to the fact that she realized she had a pretty awesome legacy, um, the female members of her family. That's the kind of legacy we need to leave, leave as Christian women who aspire to be effective leaders. Not that we're put on a, you know, a pedestal. Not that everyone said, "Oh my goodness, oh she was in the day." When we're not looking for that, we're not looking for applause and acclaim. But we do need to look for the fact that we do a good job, uh, and that that we leave something behind. I guess is something of value. We leave a good foundation. Uh, we've led people to the Lord. We've, we've helped women strengthen their personal relationship, uh, and they've grown as leaders. That's the job of a leader, isn't it? Not just to say, come on, follow me, let's go. There's an aspect of leadership to, to that. But the main thing is we want to make leaders. Um, um, Maxwell has a real good thing about if you, if, you want a, if you want a grove of trees or something in 10 years or six years or whatever it is you plant, you plant trees. If you want to do this, and, and then, but if you want something to last 100 years, you invest in people. And that's what, we're, that's what we need to do. Whether it's in your workplace, whether it's with your family, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's in your church with the responsibilities uh, that you hold, uh, I found a, a Bible verse that I really like. It's Isaiah 41:10. You're familiar with this. You're familiar with this one, but it's a, it's a good one. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And here's the here's the part. Here's the part. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. 
that's a pretty strong promise, isn't it? It's not like saying, well, you know, maybe I'll, you know, I'll try and be there for you. That's not what this says. This says he'll be there. He'll strengthen us. So when the dark days of leadership come, and they will come, because we'll be out of, out of balance. Uh, you know, the, the dog did his business in the living room. Uh, or whatever might happen. The kids are screaming Mimi. Uh, one of our women's ministries leaders said, you know, there are days she homeschools. And she, I think two of them are teenagers now. And she said, you know, Logan came home from work and wanted to know what was for supper. I didn't know. And she said, and she said such and such wasn't speaking to her. And someone, the other two had had a fight. And she said, well, I was to lead Bible study that night. And so, you know, that, that, those happen, that, that happens to us as leaders. But we need to, we need to, we need to claim this promise. Uh, because I don't think God says anything like this it, and didn't mean it. I think it's there for us. So as you go through and assume new leadership roles, maybe in, in a new church year, or you take a new job and you're making a new beginning and making, making all the decisions, determining what your actions are going to be, well, be intentional. Uh, and I would, I would suggest that not only developing your skills, whatever they are, if they have to be computer skills or whatever, uh, but I would, I would challenge you to, to develop this softer side, these characteristics. And I think if we do, and we're firm in our salvation experience, and we can articulate that, uh, and that we, we, we stand, not only in the gap, but we stand for what we say we stand for, uh, then I think we'll be effective. And I think, I think women, golly, think of what we can do. Think of what our foremothers have done. And we can do the same thing. Maybe not the same area, but we can, we can be effective too. Uh, that day has not passed, contrary to what some may think. I don't think our day as leadership as women has passed. Uh, I think there are many challenges for us. So I'd encourage you to do that. And, and we're a little early, but I guess that's okay. You can stop by Dairy Queen on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. I appreciate it.